0: Hello, Digital Dreamers. Today, I have pleasure to introduce two of these wonderful gentlemen in my show. This is the first time I have two guests in my show. My first guest is Moot Choudhary, who is founder and CEO of Voice IQ. He had incredible, hi Muj, he is waving in fourth video podcast. So uh, he had an incredible record of success in software industry. He is an expert in soft SaaS. Vo- telephony, artificial intelligence, and startup technologies. He had worked in the Silicon Valley on the research science, and his company is listed in the digital technology tech nation cohort of applied AI. There are only thirty-two cutting-edge companies which are listed there, and Moods is one of them. And for reference, uh, Tech Nation is Home Office endorsed platform where the players who are making a difference in the socioeconomic conditions of UK comes in. My second guest is Nicholas Dutton, whom I had pleasure to connect like two years back and he again had an elaborate corporate career. He was executive in a lot of tough firms and now he is also a founder director of Nicholas Dutton Consulting. He had worked extensively in telephone, uh, telephone uh, te- uh, telecom and fundamentally his concept of his company is connectivity with conscience, which is something message which we all like to do. And that's why we all are here today. We can connect through satellites. It can connect through voice or zoom, but at the end of the day, it's connectivity. It matters and how we do it. With that, tell me Nick, how and how you have partnered with Mooj and how you're enamored by his work and his technology. Uh,
1: yeah, so we, we were introduced to one another uh, around about two years ago now. Um, so part of my part of my role is, is looking at uh, you know what technologies are emerging, what's coming through on, on the market and uh, a mutual friend of ours was uh, in touch with one another. Um, Adam explained to me that I've got to see this uh, new contact center solution that uh, would just blow my blow my socks off. And um, I met with Mudge. Mudge took, took me through the actual demonstration of the, uh, the, the cloud-based service that uh, he has, which integrates uh, artificial intelligence with CRM platforms and what have you. And I have to say you know, I've been customer facing in my role in most, most of my career I've, I've, I've dealt with big customers like next and Ticketmaster and DHL capita. Um, I've been responsible for some, for some fairly large contact center solutions that have been delivered into those, uh, into those companies. And I can honestly say when I saw what uh, voice IQ had to offer, I was completely blown away by it. And, um, I still am today. Uh, you know, Every time I see the, the demonstration, every time I see the the, the actual technology being used, yeah, it, it never fails to uh, put a smile on my face, basically.
0: Thank you, Nick, for that wonderful introduction to Mooch. So Mooch, the question is to you, just elaborate on the journey of Voice IQ and what this technology is about. And we are both about, but for my listeners now. Yeah, sure, uh,
2: absolutely. Delighted to. Um, so, I mean, the, the the history of Voice IQ actually goes back about 20 years. So I started my career as a research scientist at IBM in Silicon Valley, um, at their Silicon Valley labs. And the technology that I was working on was, uh, we call it big data today. But back then, they had a very specific name for it, IBM Parallels Hisplex. And it was systems that were designed to process very large uh, data volumes, um, mostly for banking um, applications, but also for, um, climate modeling weather forecasting and things like that These was very very expensive systems designed for very very wealthy organizations and governments and and so yeah i had a very early foray into what we call data science today right we didn't call it data science or ai back then it wasn't it wasn't a trendy term like it is uh, in, in in this day and age uh, and, and then since then i i spent a number of years at companies like oracle and salesforce.com uh, where i had various senior roles and um and the one thing that I, that I noticed in, in my years of working with enterprise um, organizations, and, and we're talking about the biggest banks in the world, the biggest pharmaceutical companies in the world, the biggest consumer goods companies in the world, is that you know, they all invest very heavily into CRM applications and into general business applications. Um, and they also invest very, very heavily into telephony because they have to use a phone to receive and make calls and, 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 and so on. But, you know, they always faltered at connecting those two things together. Uh, They never, ever did that particularly well. And and the reason uh, a lot of these projects fell by the wayside where you're connecting your business applications like Salesforce or CBOL or Oracle CRM or Microsoft Dynamics into your phone system was because it's just really, really expensive. And I I had numerous uh, uh, sort of experiences of customers saying to me, let's connect Salesforce into our phone system. And what would happen every single time is that they would speak to their internal infrastructure guys and they would say, yeah, we can do this. Join the queue. We can start on this in seven to eight months time because we've got a backlog. You know, They would speak to the big consulting firm that would do the implementation work and they would say, yeah, yeah, we can do this. It's going to cost you two million dollars. Right. And then they would speak to, you know, the uh, telephony provider and they would say, yeah, yeah, we can do this. It's absolutely fine. You, you just need the API license. And that's going to be 500 pounds per user per, per year, which uh, add it all up another million pounds. So before you know it the the cost justification behind connecting CRM and telephony just goes out the window and most organizations just don't do it and I saw this over and over again and my journey with voice IQ really began when I kept seeing this pattern um, being played out again and again and again and I thought there's got to be a better way and I I think what's happened in, in recent years is that there have been pretty significant changes in the way in which the technology landscape has evolved so there um there are enabling technologies today such as you know easier access to bandwidth like 5g is everywhere now um, the cost of storage is going down quite dramatically um, the cost of compute power is going down dramatically and you put all these things together and, and you have the perfect building blocks um, for you know a higher powered AI based system uh, and then I thought well hang on a second can we apply this new technology and these new techniques um, into telephony uh, because there is a massive massive problem that I've seen time and time again in, in this area and that was the genesis if you like of, 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 of voice IQ um, there's more to it obviously uh, but that's kind of where the voice IQ story began and I decided uh, around three three years ago now that it was time to leave my, uh, my, my director post at Salesforce to pursue, um, pursue this massive opportunity and, and yeah and, and here we are three years later
0: and here we are doing incredible yeah. work 3 years later fantastic yeah yeah i was looking into you know some of the details available and according to ai trends the market size global ai is 50.03 billion by 2024 us yeah. dollar estimated mm-hmm. and in within uk 0.6 point billion pounds had been raised in investment by ai startups between uh, 2013 and 2018. So those were the statistics. So had that played any role in terms of going into that side? Are you, you explained in the Genesis, the benefits, the social benefit side of it. Does that kind of played a role in going into the decision of starting this? I,
2: I think that the, 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 is an interesting question because it's really, you know, was it the chicken or the egg that came first? You know, did, did the entrepreneurs come first or did the money come first? um and and i think it depends a lot on individual circumstance industry and and so on i mean from my point of view um it it wasn't a factor that there was all this money being thrown into this into this particular space um we all knew it was an up-and-coming industry and we could all see the signs that um you know in in the future just like in 1998 1999 if you didn't have a web presence or an e-commerce presence you were just going to die and um and we've seen the slow death of many many High street retail outlets, and we keep hearing about them. is because they haven't been able to move with the times. And it is, in hindsight, you know, with 2020 vision, you can see quite clearly why some of these companies no longer exist. Because they didn't really adopt um, and embrace the change that was staring them in the face. And we're in that place right now with AI. And I think um, you know, venture capitalists and fund managers and people who have lots and lots of cash are pretty smart people, uh, and they're pretty good at spotting opportunity, which is why they have all the cash in the first place. <laughs> Um, and, and so, you know, they're going to go out looking for organizations that can help them to make the most of any investments or, or capitalizations that they, that they decide to make. Um, so I'm not quite sure which came first. I'm not, I don't believe it had a massive impact on us. Um, we always felt that, you know, if we if you in, in the technology space, um, it's pretty straightforward, right? You don't need tons of money. You need to solve burning problems. And we solve a burning problem. Um, people will, will, will pay you money to have the problem solved because you know if you can if you can tie that problem back to a cost or uh, or, or some sort of you know, strategic um, pain or imperative then then you're going to see the fruits of your labor being rewarded in terms of cash and orders so we were always confident that that, that would happen um, as it's happened for us we've attracted quite a lot of interest from the investment community um, because we're in this apparently very hot space right now um, and of all the companies that are in this space uh, at the moment um, and of course i would say this but it's absolutely true um we, we pretty much lead the pack in in terms of uh, the, the use case that we've gone to market with um, around ai um, one thing that i would add as well actually is from an investment landscape perspective um and we saw this we see this with every sort of every wave of new technology or paradigm shifts and we saw it back in back during the dot-com bubble you know there's lots of investor money flying around but we also know that a lot of investors were burnt um uh, and, and a lot of these companies didn't exist beyond a year two or three years of them coming into coming to being and there the, were the good reasons behind that and and uh, you know i guess the number one reason is that none of them had viable business models they weren't self-sustaining they were relying on you know ad tech or clicks or you know traffic to you know set a valuation on their business and to increase the valuation and that is not sustainable because when when, when the clicks aren't there and when people aren't giving you money, you're relying entirely on investor funds to keep your business going and keep keep your business growing. This is happening again right now um, in, in the AI space. And, and the, the Achilles heel of investors right now is investing in AI that is a solution, looking for a problem, right? So there are lots of smart people who develop algorithms and fantastically clever way, ways of processing data in real time. And, and then they take the money because, because they're smart um, but then, you know, commercialising that and turning it into something that industry actually wants or needs is actually a whole different ballgame. Um, and 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 so I'm just, you know, my warning out to the, the investor community is just be careful of very smart people asking for money um, and then trying to find the solution to the problems that they've that they think they've solved, or well, sorry, the problems to the solutions that they think they've solved.
0: That's that's brilliant Moj. I asked that question because my next question to Nick, and obviously I'll come to you as well with the same question, that what would have been the advice for young entrepreneurs to keep in mind whoever is trying to start business in a post-COVID-19 scenario? And you correctly pointed out, sometimes there are a lot of investors with a lot of money and it is very hard to say no to people with smart IQs and charisma because they can sell those dreams. But where is that balance? Uh, do you want to go into the market because just everyone is going into, or you are actually solving some problem which is there and need to be solved? Nick, you are in an in. You have worked with the corporates, and you are now working with partner like uh, Mood's Company, Voice IQ. So, what will be your advice to the that space yeah. of young entrepreneurs who are trying to get into either consulting or like technical startups?
1: I think um, just just I, I like I like to take things right back to basics a lot of the time and um, you know we've just we've just talked there for five five minutes or so about you know technology and, and where our AI is going and what have you if you bring it back down to the fundamentals and and, and for myself uh, personally you know working for corporates for around about twenty years the first question I had to ask myself is am I going to enjoy doing what I'm about to set out upon doing, you know, 10 years from now, you know, is it going to give me, um, is it, am I going to find it rewarding and am I going to be able to make an income from it? Um, is it going to be fun? You know, just, just ask, asking those questions to start off with, uh, really important questions. Sounds like very, very simple thing to say, uh, but you don't want to be setting out on doing anything, you know, post COVID. uh, unless it's you know fundamentally gonna 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 make you happy and 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 sort of align to to your values and and the, the things that you, you enjoy doing, um, so I I had to I, I had to ask myself those questions you know and, and coming away from corporates, loads of things will go through your head in terms of uh, the market that you want to be in. Do you want to you know change mix up uh, the the services that you've been selling for so long and you know. Do you want an operational type role? Do you want, you know, do you want a commercial type role going forward? And I found myself, the, the next question that, that, that I asked myself was what what, what made me the happiest uh, in, in those 20 years of, of working in corporates? And it, and it was, uh, it boiled down to the fact that I, I, I am, I'm, I'm at my best when I'm customer facing, okay? So there's lots of roles out there that you can do. And you, you know, great people working and operating behind the scenes Doing fantastic things for organisations to make you know make them, make them tick. Um, where I'm at my best is actually uh, sitting down with customers, problem solving, uh, trying to get to the nub of um, of what it is they're trying to uh, trying to achieve, you know. And um, products and services aside for a second, uh, some some of the mistakes that I see are happening fairly fairly regularly is uh, the fact that. Companies go out with a product, okay, and they sell a product, but they've not actually found out whether or not the company that they're talking to actually needs the the product that they're pitching. So the amount of time, the landscape, you know, for Voice IQ, for example, you know, some of the developments that they're doing. Um, unbelievable things uh, around um, vulnerability detection. The answer is, no, you wouldn't. But um, you know, in, in the gaming space, where, where uh, you know, you, the, there's a social responsibility to make sure that um, you know, gambling organizations are actually looking after their customers, there's a fantastic fit there. So it's um, gambling companies have to make sure that they're looking after the their, their customers uh, that they're dealing with. Um, and a great use of artificial intelligence is being able to detect whether or not those customers are vulnerable. If they are vulnerable, they need to be handled in a particular way. So it's very important that when you embark on any sort of entrepreneurial journey, you're spending the time uh, figuring out where best to have those conversations relative to your product, you know, and I class that as being very much a you know a, a sniper rifle type of approach, as pro- as opposed to a scattergun approach. And too frequently, I see uh, I see uh, either salespeople, business development people, um, and they're actually not putting their energy up front um, to figure out you know where 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 best to have those conversations, where best to. Um, a line, a conversation about artificial intelligence and what are the companies that are gonna benefit from that the most? Because you, with the best will in the world, you know, you, you, you can't, you're never, gonna, you're never gonna convert every piece of business that you go after. So make sure that the conversations that you are having are with the right people and with the right organizations.
0: Okay, so what I am getting from both you and Merge is like when you are trying to start your own venture, the first thing you need to know that, like as you say, the the metaphor of sniper, target one particular section where you want to genuinely solve the problem and not because everyone is going there, because you really care about it, you do enjoy that and you really believe that you can solve that problem and you want to have that conversation. And if that conversation is happening in the correct targeted zone you are targeting, there is a probability you will have more success probably not there will be a lot of reduction but there will be obviously high probability of success uh does that some yeah. that's that's perfect so what are the like there is so much buzz around digital transformation and as much say that they are kind of leading that ai is one of the leading technologies in that tra- transformation Are there any particular trends, like any top trends you kind of keep an eye on uh, in your domain or in terms of what you are like looking into? Is there any industry trends you are looking into for, especially if I kind of uh, narrow it down to only AI in terms of digital transformation? Is that to me? Yeah, Yeah, Nick and you both, like whoever wants to answer first.
2: (laughs) You go first much. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, um, it's, it, again, it's a, it's, a, it's a really good question because um, uh, when, when, you, uh, when, when you're in the technology space and, and you're the CEO of, uh, of a software product company, um, y- y- your job actually is to be at the, y- y- you're, you're, you're the lead dog, right? There's a pack of dogs, right? And uh, that pack of dogs consists of lots of companies doing lots of different things offering lots of technologies and all that kind of stuff. And, and your job is to be right at the front of that pack. And, um, you know, in that pack, you have your competitors, you've got the incumbents, you've got the industry so-called leaders, the the, the gorillas in the market and everybody else. And your job is to be at the, at the head of the pack um, within that. So I, I liken it. It's very difficult, actually, to to, 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 to come up with a set of metrics or, or benchmarks or barometers, whatever you want to call it, against which to measure your business. Because... they don't exist um to me if if you've ever been diving to me it's like diving right when you're in crystal clear water it's great you can see 10 meters ahead and 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 there's a shark five meters ahead of you you can just turn around and swim away you know really really quickly but if you're in murky water you can't see beyond you know 30 centimeters because you and and you're right at the front and 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 you're trying to lead everybody around you and you just got to be very very vigilant about where you're going where you're headed and and just constantly measure you know, your movement uh, and, and as much as possible, try and sense and detect what's happening around you. So if there is a shark, you know, sort of lying in front of you, you, you want to be able to feel it before you see it. Um, so it, it's not, a, it's not the, probably not the answer you were hoping for or but it's, it, you know, being an innovative startup uh, means that you're trying to set the trends and you're trying to set the benchmarks rather than, rather than following them. It's important to know what your competitors are doing and you know, we're in the telephony industry. We, we straddle telephony and we straddle software, right? So, you know, we need to know, like, you know, what are people buying? You know, what um, what are the current things that are motivating, uh, you know, purchasing behavior? Um, there are macro things like, like like a pandemic that, that will have a major impact on how you position and and, and develop, uh, develop your products and services. Uh, and there are micro things that will affect how you develop your products and services. Uh, and, and those are going to be very industry specific or very company specific. Um, but, but, you know, around all of that, you, you know, you, you're, you're trying to lead the way um, from an innovation perspective and, you know, you, you have tactical problems that you need to solve um, within the context of a much bigger vision that you need to deliver on over the medium and long term. Um, so, so classically, what we do is, you know, we just keep um, on top of, you know, all the businesses that loosely touch um, our markets or, or our target markets and and we 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 just want to, we just want to make sure that we're ahead of the pack and we don't dwell too much on what the others are doing because if we spend too much time thinking about what the others are doing or what the market's doing we'll end up fitting into the market and we don't want to do that we we, we want to shape the market and, and define it and and you know so sort of chisel it into something that resembles our vision for the future
0: that's I that's that's brilliant answer because when you were talking about you know leading the pack i was going through one of my favorite quotes of stoicism which says throw me to the wolves i will return leading the pack so you're leading the pack here much it's trying very hard <laughs> yeah. anything you want to add on that knee, uh, nick
1: yeah it's it, it's just it's kind of a reflection for from when uh, I, I met with met up with voice iq uh, originally, because it, it was pre-COVID, and um, what's happened in, in recent in recent months over the last 12 months is that um, the, the pace with which uh, businesses have changed has been oh, well. I, I'm I'm pretty certain we're never going to see it. Certainly, certainly, hopefully not in my lifetime again. In any case, so I was pondering about this the other day. You, you might have a you know two, 12 to 24 month strategy as to how you're going to get home workers, you know, spun up and, and working from home. And it, you know, it's, it's very detailed, HR are a massive part of it. You know, the, the, the sales organization is a huge part, the operational side of the business is a huge part. And that might be something that, you know, is transformed over a 12 24 month period try, try transforming within four weeks. And that's kind of, you know, what we've what we've seen, that's what we've been experiencing. Um, and um, because businesses have had to pack so much in to, to shut such a short period of time, it does make me wonder uh, how many businesses out there have actually implemented the right type of service. Um, Voice IQ, um, they they are groundbreaking. Like I said, the first time that I saw the solution, I I, I, I was smiling, and I can remember the I remember the meeting well because I was I was smiling so much because I was thinking, Crikey, the customers that I've spoken to in the past, when they see this, they're going to have the same uh, experience that I'm going through right now, um, and you know, literally to see speech, you know, to text and populate being populated within a, a CRM platform. And then that data, you know, it, it's it, once it's captured, it's there to be analysed and it's, it's there to be analysed for as long as you want to analyse it for, you know. Uh, it, it's made, um, vo- voice is, a, is something that uh, previously, you know, capturing those conversations, uh, benefiting from those conversations for a period of time going forward, lots of voice conversations are lost, yeah. Yeah um but voice iq makes it really easy to analyze and, and, and pull key information from the conversations now couple that with uh it not mattering whether you're home based uh whether you're on the other side of the world you know just literally being that flexible that your contact center could be spun up in in in, in days you know um and and the, the the level of data that you're gonna receive from the actual Cloud based solution is just, in my opinion, it's seconds um, and Um And I think, you know, if, if companies have put solutions in there as a, a band aid, you know, to get through this period of, uh, of, of COVID and, and, uh, and home working that we've all experienced, come back to decisions that they had to make around March and April time this year. And uh, I'd I, I just encourage a lot of businesses out there to reassess whether or not what they did initially uh, was the most, you know, beneficial solution that they've that, that they've put in that's going to serve them well for years to come. And if not, you know, take a look at the technology that we're referring to here and 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 um, assess it against what you currently have. And I think you'll find there's a there'll be a big discrepancy in the in the level of service that. Uh, is available on the market and, and, and Voice IQ.
0: And on that note, I will be linking uh, Muj's website for Voice IQ and your website in my show notes. Is there any other place my listener can go uh, who are interested to look into the technology apart from the website?
2: Uh, there's a Voice IQ YouTube channel.
0: Okay, yeah. I will uh, like I will take the link from Mosh and then we, I will also post it in yeah. my show notes so people can go and have a look at it who are interested yeah. to understand the technology better. Nick, actually, I'll come back to you again, because I remember when we were first discussing about Voice IQ and what wonderful things it, it can do, you actually gave me a few examples where like whenever someone from contact center is like talking to someone vulnerable, how it will help. Do you want to elaborate uh, on some of those examples
1: yeah. just to maybe, like yeah.
0: focus how how beneficial and how good and how human this technology is?
1: Yeah, so, so it, uh, I had, uh, I um, here's, here's a good example. I was talking a, a friend of mine uh, through yesterday. And maybe maybe Mudge wants to share share an example as well. Um, but uh, just just zoning in on vulnerability for for, for a second again. Um, you, you might have somebody that's uh, trying to buy a financial product like like a mortgage for for argument's sake. And um, the way that I see in my mind's eye, voice IQ, uh, working, is, is you might have an agent on the end of a telephone, but there's it's almost like there's a second agent on that call helping the agent that's physically on the call, and they're sitting in the background, okay? So the artificial intelligence is, is, is listening in for, for keywords and, and signals, tone of voice, various different, various different financial product, for example, and, and it could be somebody that, that has learning difficulties and, and call centres in, in today's day and age, they need to handle those calls appropriately and with care. So just imagine having a system that was able to alert the, the, um, the agent to the fact that uh, the person on the end of the phone might be somebody that actually has these difficulties and, and, and coach the agent to allow them to handle the call very sensitively, very carefully, um, so that the, the, the person on the end of the, the line is getting the right type of advice. And in terms of the wrap up, in terms of the ability to, to, to go back to the call, you know, review the call, make sure that it was handled in the right way, then that is a huge benefit for a, a financial services uh, organization. And, and it's that type of functionality that uh, Voice IQ is
2: able to deliver.
0: That's brilliant, Muj, Any any other example or story you would like to share on that?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's lots of um, examples. I mean, the the, the vulnerability stuff. Um, it's a government-funded project actually. So we've got a we got close to a million dollars uh, from the UK government to develop technology that would help us detect signs of mis-selling, um, and you know evidence. Well, to provide real-time evidence that you know whoever's on the phone should not be sold to, or they should be handled in. a in a particular way and it isn't just about helping companies avoid fines because they, they, they get fined and they get slapped in the wrist by by regulators but these companies they're very wealthy and, and they can they can absorb fines and they have lots of money set aside but all ready to pay for the fines anyway so if, of course from a commercial perspective we can go to these companies and say you know, buy our vulnerability detection system and avoid paying fines and there's a nice business case of voice iq for doing that but but the the impact is actually much further reaching because um the algorithms that we've developed can be used can be applied anywhere so the, the example that nick's used is in, in the contact center uh, but we also have our own sim card um, so we can pop sim cards into people's mobile phones so if you have an elderly relative um, maybe she or he isn't comfortable using a smartphone so they, they have a regular just a regular mobile phone if they receive calls on there um, our ai listens at the network level to that conversation as it's coming in and if someone's trying to you know, dupe them of their pension pot or if someone's trying to, you know, um, surreptitiously take money from them or something like that, we can detect those things and we can flag them, we can notify a family member, you know, we can notify, you know, the the relevant carer and the same for the for children. So you can give your children a SIM card and they can make and receive phone calls with their friends and if there's any evidence of inappropriate conversational behaviour on those phone calls, then straight away we can raise an alert or, or, you know, notify a parent or something like that and you know th- th- this isn't so much about this isn't about th- th- there is no big fund or big fine pot attached to those use cases because you don't you know uh, th- there are people calling in from all around the world These it's very easy to call your mother or your father you know from a call center outside the uk so you can't easily find them the best you can do is protect and defend them as, as much as possible and as technology gets more and more pervasive as it gets harder to understand more complex and more sophisticated and the ways in which people are sort of social engineering or attacking others becomes more sophisticated and more convincing. You know, we need to start putting defenses up that are uh, as sophisticated, if not more sophisticated um, than than what they're being attacked with. And one of the great things about Voice IQ is yes, it's a commercial entity and and yes, we have shareholders and yes, the purpose of the business as far as shareholders concerned is to give them a return and generate revenue and grow the business and grow shareholder value. But at the end of all, you know, what happens with software companies is that they run for uh, a few years, and if all things go well, you're going to IPO, you're going to sell the company, and, you know, the the, the original spirit of the business gets left behind because the culture changes and the shape and nature and the dynamics of the business change because you become part of a larger organization or you just become a bigger organization, and it becomes less personal. Um, And then the, the question you have to ask yourself as a founding you know, CEO or, or, or founding employees is what have we left behind? You know, what have we left behind? Is is it we have we just walked away with tons of money and done nothing, or have we actually done something valuable and and, and useful? And I think that there's this huge opportunity to apply AI, yeah, you know, and, and you know, not just in examples where it's going to help companies save money or make money, but applying AI in, in use cases where you have a very strong beneficial you know social outcome. Um, and it, it's sometimes very hard to imagine how AI could be used to do that. And with this vulnerability detection, we came up with a way in which we could sustainably deploy AI um, in, in, in social settings um, in a self-sustaining way. So banks will pay good money for the vulnerability detection because it helps them save money on fines, but then we can use that to fund uh, the Voice Acu Foundation so that children and vulnerable people and the elderly and the mentally infirm um have a first line of defense uh from people unscrupulous people who may seek to uh, you know take money from them or, or abuse the relationship in some other way
0: mm. that's i have so many questions on that like the but first question which is coming to mind when you say put sim in the phone so do you have tie up with the network providers across
2: yes we have a tie up with vodafone and EE.
0: all right and is it only within uk because my parents are outside uk so that's why i'm asking is it now only within uk
2: um, at the moment, it's the UK, but obviously, Vodafone and EE operate in. They have operating com- Vodafone has operating companies all around the world. Uh, I think in India, it's, uh, is it Airtel?
0: it's yeah. Uh, yeah. Airtel,
2: is the sister company of Vodafone. I think. Uh, so, so yeah, we, we can use um, the relationships and here in the UK and take them overseas, but we're a tiny company, and uh, mm-hmm. the UK is keeping us pretty busy at the moment. Uh, so at some point, we'll move overseas, but I guess not this very second.
0: Yeah, I for that moment, because that, that the first thing, like, can I do it for my parents? Because <laughs> I am only child who is staying here. Well, like, uh, as you were saying, like, about the human factor of actually helping people, like, I was yeah. not aware of this product at all. And the moment you said that, my mind went, like, can I use it for my own personal relationship? Yeah,
2: so yeah, yeah. I'm
0: not Absolutely. there to take care.
2: I'll um, definitely be able to help out with that. Um, yeah, I mean, for, for us, it, it's very important that people have this perception of AIs, this thing going to take away people's jobs robots going to take over the world and people are very quick to take a worst case scenario point of view on things right and uh, you know what we're saying is this doesn't need to be the case you know ai is an adjunct to humanity it's not a replacement for the things that we're doing and the world evolves anyway and um, without ai the world will change and we'll have to think about new skills and retrain at some point in our lives in 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 in, in any case um, but, you know, th- there's definitely avenues in which AI can be applied in, in, in very positive ways.
0: Yeah. I love that because I follow the work of Amit Ray, who is a pioneer of compassionate AI. And one of his quotes says that the coming era of AI will not be the era of war, but the era of deep compassion, nonviolence, and love. And your message is kind of, you know, rolling in that same direction. Mm-hmm. And uh, continuing on that road... Is there any sources of information or book, journal, someone's work which kind of inspire you, uh, Moji and Nick? Both the question is to both of you.
2: I mean, for me, it's it's going to be a really dull answer because it's just plainly obvious. But um, for, you know, for, for me, it's it's the big innovators, um, and you, you may argue whether or not these people are truly innovative. But what they're very good at is taking innovation to market and, and turning it into a commercial success because unless you can commercialize something successfully, um, you can't fund future innovation. And, and I think the likes of Steve Jobs and Bill Gates were absolute um, masters at that. Um and, and so you know when I look at the early days of Microsoft, um and I look at you know the, the way that business was built up, I, I see parallels with voice IQ, even the way in which we're going to market right now. Um and and this is Steve Jobs, you know, the, the guy's proven that you know you, you can take a complete sinking ship and you know totally turn it around. And how do you do that? You do it by creating products that touch people's emotions. Um, and we're all human beings. And until uh, consumers and buyers are replaced by AI, we're always going to make emotional decisions um, about where we put our money. Um, and even if it's not an iPhone or an iPod, even your um, business application. It has to touch people's emotions before before they'll decide to write a check for it, probably more so because, you know, uh, you know, a, a check for a business application could run to millions versus, you know, 80 pence for, <laughs> for, for a Play Store or a Apple App Store application. Um, but, yeah, you have to resonate with people. And um, I think what those guys showed is you can take things, you can test them very, very geeky, and very technical. That is a preserve of engineers, and, and you can you know you can position it in such a way that people generally form bonds with it uh, enough to part with money and to adopt it and to become ambassadors for it as well.
0: Oh no, that's not a boring answer, Moji, because I have created one podcast episode just to owe to Steve Jobs because it's Stanford speech when I heard it years back had changed my life. That gave me courage to do a lot many things. So when it comes to Steve Jobs and Bill Gates, it's like they are my hero and I'm a an absolute there, fan of Steve Jobs.
2: There was a video that I play. Um, so w- we have these uh, quarterly um, company-wide all-hands meetings.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, uh, and uh, w- whenever some new people join the company, I always make sure I play this video. And it's Steve Jobs' video, the crazy ones.
0: Ah, uh, yes. I mean,
2: here's oh. the crazy ones. Because, and, and there's a line that i used at the end is, uh, you know, uh, it's the crazy ones that change the world because they're crazy enough to believe that they can
0: from the Think hmm. Different campaign. So I have a folder of yeah. Steve Jobs where I have like, I have a folder called emotional button where I keep my motivational videos. If I am sad or anxious, I go there to play on them and the Think Different campaign and the Stanford speech are two of them in that list of videos. So what's yours, Nick? Tell me yours.
1: It's funny, you know, because uh, I was thinking uh, about this question and um, one of the one of the things that, you, that I do miss about working for a, a large, a large organisation is the fact that there's there's so many characters, there's so many people within an organisation generally that uh, that are I become your inspiration, you know, and that they can be product managers, project managers, you know, leaders. It, they they can be fantastic op- um, customer service operators that are just. Really passionate about uh, uh, about the job and the the, uh, the roles that they do day to day, and coming away from a big company, I sort of miss those 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 interactions because I, I'm I'm inspired by uh, people that, that 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 I work with over the years. Um, how how do we go about sort of countering that? Well, I'm quite cheeky, so I keep in touch with a lot of people that have uh, been my inspiration, regardless of the fact that I uh, I don't work work with them anymore. Um, but yeah, it, it, you know, it, it, as a as a small company, uh, it's important that you continue to um, to tap into that network uh, that you've 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 uh, built up, you know, over the years, and you make sure that. Um, you're using the network at the right time, talking to the right people at the right time that have got the skills that you need uh, in order to get on. And, and when I talk about connectivity with conscience, you know, pe- people talk about, uh, is, do, do we mean connectivity in, in, in the broadband or data connectivity sense of the word? Not really, no. It, it's, con- it, it's connectivity in every sense of the word. It's connecting with people. It's connecting with uh, people on an emotional level. Yes, it's it's about connecting organisations and and uh, products and services to, to, to organisations. But um, yeah, fundamentally, it's uh, it's about every form of connectivity. I'd say. The other thing that I want to say is um, in terms of inspiration, as an as a, as, a, as an entrepreneur. As a, as a small company, you are gonna be ruthlessly busy, okay? You are gonna be, you, you, you never really switch off, but it's very important that you do switch off. So two things that I do for inspiration, one is uh, art galleries, absolutely love art galleries. Um, actually studied, uh, I, I studied fine art at college uh, and, and I, I really wanna sort of tap back into that now. Um, the other thing that I do is a run Okay, and if I'm feeling bogged down, and if I'm feeling like my ideas are drying up, I get myself away from the computer screen. I'll take myself out for an hour, and the ideas will come flooding, flooding through, whilst I'm whilst I'm exercising. So it's really important that you, uh, you know, you, you seek inspiration from the people um, that have got something to, to to offer to you. But it's really important that you uh, you look after yourself and your mental well-being because that's how some of your best ideas are formed i'd
0: say oh that's brilliant answer because i like so many so much of that because i follow a few of them and in my head okay i do something right i mean it's good because people who you look up to if they do something similar to you at least i feel bad uh, sorry i feel very good about it and when i first met you nick i know you were in a, like a very top position at that point one of my impression was you were so kind and so sweet and I was just starting out at that point so that impression had stayed and I cheekily reached out to you for this podcast that's why last month yeah. because of that so I do the same as well like I reach out to people who had inspired me or I remembered them for certain work experience where you like have a good experience of someone it keeps you in your head and those yeah. are the in a world we where we can be anything I think kindness is one of the things we probably should Absolutely. call.
2: I love yeah. the advice where, when you have a when you have a major problem that you can't get your head around, the best thing to do is just to run away, <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. rather than actually running running away. You're running away and also trying to think about <laughs> it and getting fit. So it's a bit... I love that. Yeah. <laughs> it's
1: to yeah, to an art gallery. Just stay in an art gallery.
0: An art gallery.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: If only, if only life was so simple.
2: Oh, you've gone for a run again. <laughs> <talk much> one bad.
0: <laughs> I mean, like, no. How cool is it? Like, oh, I'm trying to solve an AI problem, but I'm just. You can find me in Tate Modern Museum, staring at yeah. also.
1: it.
0: I'm getting inspiration from there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, do you know what the 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 um, the point is though? Okay, you, you have to you have to be creative. You have to continuously, you know, be creative as a, as a small company. Whether whether that's uh, you know marketing campaigns, trying to do things differently in terms of how you how you get your message out there and what have you. Um, and show me a better way than to become inspired than to stand in, in front of you know, some, some, some work, some artwork, you know, whatever it may be. And it just sort of gets that sort of creative, creativity flowing, that's it. And it's, It's yeah, and it works for me, you know, somebody else might find a different type of activity, you know, makes them feel really creative, but it's, it's knowing when, and I think that comes with experience to, to actually take yourself out of the daily grind. And uh, put yourself in front of something that's going to make you, you know, in, in a lost afternoon staring at paintings could mean that you're far more productive for the following week as a consequence. But it's being brave enough to uh, take yourself out of the daily grind and recognise that that is actually a really sound investment in time.
2: Mm. And inspiration comes from like the oldest places. Um, I can give you a story about Voice IQ. Uh, One of the original ideas that I had for Voice IQ was, um, wouldn't it be great if we could predict the best time to call somebody? Uh, Mm. Because sales and marketing organizations spend way too much time calling, 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 and never getting through because they don't apply any smart processing to that process. Um, And so I thought, hang on. And and where I got the inspiration from was um, completely random, just as Nick points out. I was driving through London. I was stuck in traffic um, because London just gets busy with traffic all the time. And my, my, sat nav, my sat nav navigation system told me that the next half a mile is gonna be chock full. So we're gonna detour around here and take you back onto the road and you'll you get there faster, right? You'll meet your objective of getting there at 6 p.m. And I thought, okay, how's that just happened? Okay, so everybody has a sat nav system. These sat nav systems are feeding road traffic data back to a central server. So it's crowd, the central server is crowdsourcing all the road traffic information. And it's using that information to make a determination. For each individual driver, uh, around the best route to take at that point in time in real time, mm-hmm. and I thought this is a bit like a phone system because in, in a phone network there were calls coming in, calls going out, people busy, people available, people you know with three or four phone numbers. Some got a voicemail all the time, you know. Some get answered in the evening only. Some get answered in the morning. Some of the some are fax numbers, some are dead numbers, you know, from two years ago. And you know, why can't we crowdsource all the data? Uh, uh, about people making and receiving phone calls across our network pull it into a central server and then use that data to inform in real time you know if you want to call nick don't call him now just wait till four o'clock because that's when he's going to be available um and and so yeah absolutely nick that, that inspiration came from uh, a yeah. D- traffic jam
1: something completely random yeah 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 well, you know just just picking up on that that feature um if, let's just say you went and, and sat down with a, a desk-based sales team, or, or a sales manager, for example, or a sales director, and you were able to say, "We can make your, you, we can make you 20% more effective. We can make your people 20% more effective by applying this type of functionality, because they're not going to be wasting time. The number of the number of companies that just chug through telephone call after telephone call." Because they don't have the um, they don't have the functionality to work out whether or not the people that they're calling at a particular time of day are actually going to be responsive. So you know it's it, it's funny it's funny how from driving your car you come up with a business solution there that uh, you know is going to going to generate uh, you know far 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 greater commercial output for for the for the customers that are using it.
0: I mean I'm just thinking about. In obviously customer contact center environment, like in in a consulting domain, when you are trying to reach out to very, very busy people and you are struggling, it will help in just scheduling the call and make life so easier. Or in a personal note, when I was like painfully shy or I used to have anxiety, if I want to call busy people, I used to get anxious if it's a not good time. It would have just helped me with my anxiety at that point. like so many benefits out of it. I'm just thinking like, yes, if it can happen, that will be like, I will buy it myself, just for the use of it.
2: So, so far, we've got two opportunities, one for your parents and, and one for your own yeah,
0: like I'm pitching the problems to you, Merge. That was the objective of this call, just to pitch <laughs> the ideas, like, I want this problem solved. Help me. <laughs> And because you are so good at it, so I'm just coming with that those ideas. So what about uh, Nick had told me about the his concept of failing fast whenever mm-hmm. he's gathering data or research. And I'm also very fond of failure stories because we know the success bit of it, but it's good to discuss the failures and what is this way you kind of overcome it. So just elaborate on it, Nick, Moj, whoever wants to take it first, question to about-
2: um so it, it, in a startup environment it's very important to iterate have this loop that you're constantly going around okay so you you do something you, know, you measure the efficacy of that whatever you've done and then you you either do, do it again or you abandon it okay that's, that's, that's it's very 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 simple sort of like this is how we run the business you know <laughs> uh, we reduce it right down and, and you can apply that process to practically anything so yeah, when it comes to failing fast, people presume, um, it, it, you know, you're gonna have a different lens. If you're, if you work in sales, you're gonna have the lens of sales and marketing. If think our oh, failing fast means um, qualifying out of a, a sales opportunity before we waste too much time on it. Um, if you work in product development, failing fast is let's not spend the next six months building a feature that nobody wants, right? Um, because we, we've launched the initial version of it and the, the reaction of the feedback was not what we expected. So do we continue developing it or trying to make it better or do we just abandon it altogether? We've invested some time already. Do you want to continue investing? And it's it's that sort of decision. You you have to fail fast with employees. Um, Sometimes you're going to hire the wrong person. Uh, I've done that a couple of times. And the the, the consequence of keeping them um, is unfair on them because they're not very well fit into the business and their career is going to be limited um, because you mutually made the wrong decision. They shouldn't have joined. You shouldn't have hired them. And then it has a massive consequence on the rest of the team because they end up having to pull the weight that this person's unable to unable to carry um so it, it you know in in startup land this sort of concept of fading fast um with product people customers whatever um is, is actually super super important and you know just yeah. not getting bogged down with you know people become egotistical about the decisions that they made uh, and i i see like inexperienced ceos uh Or inexperienced leaders sometimes will make a call on something and and they'll stick to it because they feel that if they it's a show of weakness if they abandon their own decision halfway through Um, and with maturity you stop doing things like that and a lot of startup founders um, end up being fairly young people very aspirational young people very smart people but they're lacking the experience to know when to abandon something Mm. um and it's difficult it's difficult i don't know nick may have a better answer than i do but for, for me it's, it's it's difficult to explain to somebody when is the right time to back out of something um and a lot of it just comes out of experience and i think you have to just um take a few of the war wounds first and, and feel the pain of it uh b- before you start to know when the best time is to back out i mean that, that's my view on fading fast i'm sure nick has
1: uh, yeah. uh it's it's Cracking view as well, Um, and and the software connection there. You know, it it, it is a it's 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 almost like a a process in the industry, isn't it? Whereby you know, it's a it's a given that that iterative process has to has followed in in order to uh, well fail fast. I I I, uh, I think about I think about the money that you spend as a small company. Um, you know, and you've got to make sure that you, you put in the, the investment into the right areas. However, you shouldn't you shouldn't necessarily let um, uh, the fear of failure prevent you from doing something. So you have to gamble. You have to make you have to take some risks and you have to be. Um, yeah, you, you have to know from the outset that not every single conversation is going to work, work out. Yeah, but don't let it stop you from, from having those conversations, taking a few risks, um, spending some money on marketing campaigns or sales campaigns, a little bit of advertising here and there. You know, it might be you do some some work with LinkedIn that you've not done previously, and you know, it's those types of uh, activities that you've got to you've got to test, you've got to uh, you've got to review their output. You know, has it been effective? Has it not been effective? But I think the worst thing that you can possibly do is is be so fearful of, of not trying anything that you never never make any progress. So for me, the concept of uh, of, of failing fast is 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 really important. Um, we we see it also with with minimum viable products um, because some some companies they want to finesse everything until it's absolutely you know so shiny um, and and ready for launch that they miss the market because it's taken them so long to, to, to get it to get it ready and sometimes actually having a microsite or landing page or something really really simple um, at, the, at the front end you know and it might be two cans and a piece of string at the back end and it you know it might be very very manu- manual um, but it, but the actual appearance of it is is, is very whizzy very shiny um, it looks fantastic um, what the, what the customer doesn't necessarily know is at the back end, it's all, it's all manual, you know? But what, you, but, but what you're doing by, by taking those, those, those risks, by, by presenting yourself in that way, is you're dipping your toe in the water quickly and you're finding out whether or not there is a, an opportunity. Um, so um, sometimes with minimal viable products um, and getting them to market really, really quickly, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big advocate of that. Um, you know, some of the some of the automation at the back end, some of the, uh, the bells and the whistles and the integration with CRM and, you know, automation of your processes and what have you. You can do that. You can do that once you once you've actually figured out whether or not you, you you've, you've uh, landed on a market which is going
0: to fly. Yeah, that's perfectly makes sense. And I think that's relevant for corporate scenarios as well, because sometimes we see some big projects getting delayed by months because someone is trying to perfect one tiny thing rather than just deploying it all together, which kind of leads to project cost, resource cost, and it never gets delivered. It's just a never-ending cycle of it. It's very important to
2: say corporate should continue to do that. Because yeah, this is how we succeed. <laughs> <laughs> we we rely on corporates doing yeah. that.
0: <laughs> doing that mistake.
2: Yeah.
0: So yeah, like no, yeah. that's, that's it's definitely not- a constant observation always.
1: Well, it's it, it's so common though, and and what's happened at the moment with COVID is there's lots of companies that have been caught out from a from a product perspective, mm-hmm. because you know companies. Maybe that we're going to purchase something in two, three, four years' time. Um, they've, they've just bought it back in March and April, you know, from somebody else because your product wasn't ready. And it, and it's that thing. If if you if you take too long to get something to market, chances are you're going to miss it.
0: No, like for real-time example, when we are doing the Zoom or the team calls, I see there are a lot of glitch- glitches out there. But at the same time, I see that every month and every few weeks, they're implementing new features into it, just improving a little bit, tiny steps. And these few of them are giant companies who are doing that, who are smart enough to actually implement that. And few are new startups, which are still doing that, but they are doing it like what you just advised. I can actually segue to 100 different topics here, especially because I'm such a big fan of deep learning, probably a different episode, but I know time is of essence. So I'll quickly go to both of you with the same question. What will be like a call for action for my listeners? It can be anything personal, professional, AI related, consulting related, just take your pick.
2: Go to the VoiceAQ website.
0: <laughs> yes um, go to yeah. the PostIQ website
2: and, 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 re, and, and refer refer it to your um, company's head of sales and head of marketing head of customer service that's, that's a good next call to action um, if you want something deeper than that, that then I will have a one-to-one coaching conversation with that person provided they give me access to their head of sales marketing and customer service
0: that's a fair ask I say <laughs> what about you Nick Just on on that note, yeah, I I just thank you for again.
1: Cast is that the entrepreneurial angle? Am I back?
2: Yes. You just got back here,
1: right? So yeah, so there's there's obviously a technology angle to this 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 podcast commercial. Uh, and then obviously the, the audience is, uh, you know, young startups and, and entrepreneurs that are, um, are looking to maybe start their own businesses. Um, at the same time, um, there's maybe some bigger companies are going to be uh, have it, having access to, to, to the podcast uh, that we've produced. Um, all I'd say is if you want that sort of that light bulb moment or, or to be blown away by the direction in which Technology contact centre is going. Then, yeah, just to reiterate what Mud said, do take a look at the website because, as I said earlier on, you know, the first time I saw Voice IQ, it was that sort of wow moment for me, thinking, you know, we we're going to have some fun with this because uh, because of what it does over and above a lot of the competition that's out there um so my call to action will be uh to mirror what Mudge said and said get onto the voice iq iq website
0: <laughs> definitely i will definitely link uh, the website link in the podcast note and i have your linkedin profile as well where it's already directed to the voice iq is there any other place like facebook or instagram people can find you or is the main medium is like the uh, website and linkedin only
2: uh, that's it, linkedin website and the youtube channel
0: all right so. and nick for you best place to find your company
1: and, uh, Nicholas Consulting.com.
0: yeah yep i will link that definitely yeah. thank you so much for coming into the show and sharing your precious time i know both of you are very very busy and in a way my it's a dream come true for me my podcast name is Digital Dreamers, but one of this is like the digital technology one aspect is of making dreams come true, be it mindset, be it approach, be it fear of overcoming fear of failure. So it kind of embodies all the es- essence of my show here. So thank you once again for coming. The show.
1: Yeah. And thank you. Thank you for inviting us. And thank you for having us. It's been, uh, it's been great. And, uh, you know, well done to you for uh, getting on the front foot with this. I know it's, uh, it's been a pet project of yours. So, um, yeah, you're doing a great job.
0: Thank you so much, Nick. Thank you so much, Moj.